there, my goodness. Well, hey, guys. This is that which was spoken of. Well, he's, oh, he's awake. Okay, you're going to come. Oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, my goodness. I think we'll go this way. Well, hey, sweet boy. You guys did good. He's beautiful. Well, we got uh, uncles here. We got parents, grandparents. This is awesome. We got the whole gang, the whole gang. Well, I was uh, reading in Ephesians this week, and I saw that God chose him before the foundation of the world. Before there was planets, before there was anything else, God says, I want this guy, and I'm going to build a universe around him. We're just here for you, buddy. So uh, Lou Engle has got a great quote. He said, God had a dream and wrapped your body around it. And so, Kason, God's got an awesome plan for you, buddy. I was praying, and I, uh, I got this phrase I'd never heard before, um, forerunner of fullness. And I feel like this guy is going to have the gift of receiving. He is just going to have no problem receiving everything that Jesus paid for. He's going to walk in it easily. And so, Kason, we need people like you to show us what it looks like to walk in everything that Jesus paid for. So you are a gift. Is there any of the family that had anything they wanted to say or anything? I just, sure. No pressure. But. So what we're doing here is a, uh, is a baby dedication. And so there's, did I miss somebody? Oh, okay, Beth's crying. Okay, we'll give Beth the mic while she's crying here. It's like talking with your mouth full. And so there's a lot of denominations that baptize uh, the infants, and we bless that. We, we see baptism in the, in the Bible, the way we look at it is it follows salvation. And so what we're doing here is what we see in Matthew chapter, or, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 10, where people were bringing their children to Jesus, and he was laying his hands on them, he was blessing them. We see in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and 2 is they were bringing uh, babies to the, and dedicating them as unto the Lord. And so that's what we're doing here. And we recognize it's as much a dedication of parents as it is uh, as of the baby himself. And so, Mom and Dad, we're going to be praying for you guys that you raise him in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And uh, he's going to, the love you show him is going to help him see the love the Father has for him. Oh, man. It's not easy being this cute, I tell you. <laughs> and so we're just going to pray over you, little buddy. Lord, I just thank you that you have made him to be a forerunner of fullness. Lord, I just thank you that this is a young man who's going to heal the sick. He's going to raise the dead. He's going to give away millions of dollars. He's going to be a leader of men, and he's going to be best friends with Jesus. I thank you that he'll never know a day of rebellion. Every day that he's going to know, he's going to know with the Lord. Lord, I thank you that the presence of God is going to follow him all the days of his life. That, Lord, he will know what it means to be the head and not the tail, to be above and not beneath. That the promises of Deuteronomy 28, all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. So we bless you, little guy. In the name of Jesus. Mom and Dad, we bless you with wisdom, we bless you with grace, we bless you with insight, and to see God's plan and to shape them towards it. And uh, big brothers, we bless you to be kind and patient and awesome, in the name of Jesus. Sleep well, big guy. You slept through the night? All right, that's good. All right. Oh, man. I'll tell you what. Well, John and Beth, why don't you guys stay up here? There's a lot of cuteness going on right now. We are out of here. How many of you feel like those kids? No, don't, don't do that. Maybe at the end. Can we do it at the end? All right. So we have two of our heroes here. For those of you who don't know, this is John and Beth Musagala. Yes. 
So we're going to be interviewing here them a little bit. And so for um, those who do not know you guys, and so uh, we obviously got your names. So first, well, they're missionaries to Uganda. So let's just get that out of the way. So why don't you guys tell us how you met, first of all. So the short version. Like, how did you guys, yeah, like, yeah all this. Sure. Uh, we've, we've, From two uh, different continents, so. Yeah, two different continents that God just brought together. Um, you know, the common factor is Jesus in between. Uh, in the whole nation, in the whole world, actually, there are two nations that talk about God on their currency. Hmm. And uh, that's Uganda and uh, I didn't know that. Wow. the USA. In, in Uganda, we say, for God and my country. And here we say, in God, we trust. Yeah. So here is God bringing two nations together that are wow. founded on him to change that's a powerful. whole nation. And that's uh, what Father just put uh, on our lives. But um, we met in Illinois uh, <laughs> uh, back in the day, two, 2003. That's uh, August, uh, th October, October 3rd. Huh? Just go hey, for the year, man. Something Your wives like are going to correct you. It's just, but, just get close like horseshoes. You know, um, Father just put it on our hearts, you know, and... Um, you were not actually a musical traveling group. It was actually a boy band. No, it wasn't a boy band. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but you were, you were... It was it kind was of a boy band. It was, it was something a, like that. It was we, a, we, a worship group, and then Beth saw you guys, and yeah. So. Yeah, and she, she was excited when she saw me. <laughs> <you know? laughs> but anyway... Um, you she know, had a we, hard we, time we, keeping her eyes on Jesus, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you guys get married, and you got, a, you got a little guy. How old is Hezekiah now? Hezekiah is 10. Hezekiah is 10. He was one of the ones who jumped off the stage. He was That's the biggest right. one, yes. And so that was right. exciting for all of us. And so, um, so you came from Uganda. You spent years here. And then uh, well, you guys went back over there as missionaries. What, what year was that when you guys went back over? How many years ago was that? 2013. 2013, wow. So it's been uh, four and a half years. That's amazing. Right. And so you have a, a ministry called Hope in the Land. And so just tell us a little bit about Hope in the Land, kind of what you guys' heart is, what you, what you guys are doing over there. Father just put us, put us in this nation to eat it, you know, from the grassroots. Yeah. When you look at this nation, it's gone through a lot. Um, HIV just wiped away a generation. Mm. Uh, war, it's wiped away another generation. But you find that... Um, when you, for example, when you go to church, you can't find grandma, you can't find grandpa in church. All these people were wiped away, wow. uh, either by diseases or by war or by, um, you know, uh, brutal leaders that came into power. And uh, we are the people that God has just pressed, blessed in this uh, nation yeah. to raise it up. Um, uh, so you're actually going into some of the villages where you used to live. Yes, yeah, we are so. going into these villages. We are availing people with clean water, which yeah. is amazing. It uh, is the, amazing. The, 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 the challenge is, the challenge we found was Muslims came in and they were building water wells. When they put up these water wells, they tell you, hey, look, just convert and become a Muslim and use our water well. There is a mosque here. Just come and pray. We, we have a school. Come and be a part of this school and uh, everything will be free for you. And you go to ask these people, you yourself, you've seen yeah. these people, you've talked to these people, and you ask them, why did you convert? Why are you a Muslim? And he tells you, I don't know, maybe just because I needed a good future for my children, yeah. you know? 
and uh, we, we, we coming in and build these water wells and say, hey, this is what Father gives you. This is how Jesus looks like. He doesn't come in and tell you, uh, you have to be a Christian good, yeah. to use this water. So that's one of the things we are doing, going into hospitals, you know, uh, praying for the sick. Um, uh, Actually training some of the nurses that pray for the sick. So, yeah. Right. You, you did train some fun. of those, really that was those really fun. nurses, you know. Um, a group of people that we, we, you know, every week we do this on a weekly basis where we go in and we just see Father touching people. And the cool thing is seeing that Muslim guy telling you, hey, can you come back, please, mm -hmm. and pray with me? Can you come back and check on me? And after that, you're like, wow. And you see this guy coming into church and you say, wow, Father, thank you for what you're doing. I remember seeing the Muslim moms holding their uh, babies with uh, malaria, just burning hot, and they would see us praying and seeing the kids get healed, and then the Muslim moms would come in and bring their children over, and uh, it was just powerful, and we didn't make them jump through hoops. We just showed them the love of God. So, yes, you guys are doing gospel crusades. You guys are doing, uh, I mean, hospital ministry, ministering in villages. You guys actually have a, a good deal of ministry just to other missionaries. I mean, a lot of them, they're just uh, so isolated and just empty, and so you guys have been able to build relationships and Right Not there, yeah. Um, uh, like the crusade that we had with you, uh, we had over six thousand people that showed up. And then in March, um, Pastor Josh came in. Josh is our campus pastor. And, uh, in I don't know if you have some pictures uh, to sh when you see here. We hit about ten, more than ten thousand people yeah. that showed up uh, in these crusades. It was a revival. Seeing the Muslims hats. actually tried to stone Josh while yeah. they were there. So, <laughs> um, what happened was. Um, Every time we prayed, they came, they came in and started pulling people out of the crowds. When they tell, and they were telling them, let's go, let's the go. The Muslims were trying to pull them out of the crusade. Yeah. yeah, and then when we were up on the, up here, they got stones and they started throwing stones to us while we were preaching. And I just said a word. I just said, God, I'm arresting the person that is throwing stones to us. And uh, you're going to give your life to Christ. And out of the blue, this young man stood there up to midnight in one place. Wow. And uh, we're coming in. We're like, hey, what's the problem? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know. I was throwing stones to you guys. And I was like, oh, God, you know. But um, it's amazing. this young man ended up giving his life to Christ. <laughs> so good. Which, 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 which blew me away. I was humbled. I was like, God, I, I apologize. I didn't see that coming. But uh, <laughs> he really did. He really did. And uh, we powerful. saw lots of miracles. We were with you. You saw how God just performed miracles. That little yeah. girl it's that humbling. couldn't yeah. see. And uh, we prayed with her. And instantly God healed her. You know, born Yeah, literally blind. carrying cripples up on mats and watching them get up and dance and... Right. Demoniacs levitating and getting baptized the next day after getting saved. And yeah, it was, it was almost like the Bible. I don't know. It's just, it's like it, was, it is. It is. It, it is. is. It, yeah. it is. And this is what we're doing for this nation. And uh, I just want to thank God that there is another team that uh, you guys are bringing in. You know, yeah, we, we got a team going in July. So yeah, that'll be exciting. We get to join you guys. So we're going to try to go once or twice a year to join you guys. And uh, man. You need to take a mission trip every three to five years just for your own heart, just to, just to get outside of your comfort zone and watch God move on a, on a people that don't have everything provided for them. It's just, there's just nothing like it. So I need it in my heart, and I just encourage you guys to jump in. So.
Yeah. So, so good. One of the other things I did, I recorded a CD. This is for Mary, right. you know. Oh, I recorded you. this amazing CD. I put up some really good uh, drums, you know. <laughs> Best uh, that I can listen to. Drums. Too, so. <laughs> but, but, you know, one of the things we were like, you know, what, what would bless the people back home to know uh, uh, back here? And uh, we put up this CD for you guys, and uh, we have it out here when you want yeah. it. But God has been good, and we're still going for him, you know. That's good. Beth, did you want to add anything? or? Took all the Your time. hair's cute. Thanks, Jim. Oh, would you <laughs> just want to say thank you so much for all of your support, all of your prayers, your financial backing. We could not do any of this without you. Just want to say a personal thank you um, for all the people that were a part of bringing me here over the winter for the surgery and um, everything went well, and I'm a whole new person. So thank you for all of that. And, um, and I encourage you... <laughs> I encourage you too to, um, you know, hop on the bandwagon and come sometime and, and just see what's happening in Uganda. And if you get a chance anywhere else in the world, and also to see what your missionaries are doing, to see the work, you know, where your your offering, your giving's going, and to see the work on the ground. Um, I think the team that came just had a really awesome experience, and and a lot of people are like, we didn't know you guys were doing this or this. So um, you really get to come on the ground and see what it is day yeah, to day. The scope of what John and Beth are doing, it's mind-boggling. It's even hard to put into words. I'm like, you guys, you know, you need to make it clear in what you're doing. And I went over and I'm like, oh my it's gosh, hard. I don't know how to put it into in words. Short, it's, brief, a, and powerful. it's amazing. <laughs> so it thank is. you. Thank you. It's for interesting. Uh, Chad Debman was just here from Bethel and uh, he prophesied that we would have influence and uh, we'd be connected to nations and he named Uganda and he named, what was it? and Honduras, which are two of the areas that we go to most. And so this is good. Hey, how can we partner with you guys? How can we, how can we uh, further what you guys are doing? What, what, what would that look like? Well, I think the biggest um, way you can do that um, definitely is to partner with us uh, monthly, monthly giving, monthly support. Um, one monthly time. is much more helpful than just one-time giving. Well, one-time giving is awesome, but the monthly is, you know, when you're making a budget, that's just always so much more helpful. Um, and you can do that. Our website is www.hopeintheland.org. Um, so you can um, get online and give there. Also, we do have um, brochures about our ministry and what we do out there. And there's a, a place where you can sign up and mail it in if you'd like to, or if you'd like to mail in a check. So those are, and, and praying, definitely um, prayer, because we, we need that. Money allows us to do the work that we do. But prayer covers us while we're doing it. I can't tell you how many times he's gotten stuck um, overnight, stranded somewhere in a broken vehicle, or where we've been in places where we're getting, you know, we've been threatened with machetes before, or like he's being, you know, stones and things like that. So we, we can't do this without you. And our hospital ministry, like Sean said, I mean, it is not exciting. American hospitals aren't fun to go into. Ask Jim about Ugandan hospitals. So we, we need Sorry. prayer just to get in there. Imagine blood, vomit, and all the smells. feces all, the all smells. over the floor. <laughs> they don't provide water. Yeah, they only provide medical care. I mean, it's just, it's, yeah, it's. I think, I think you found your love of oils in the hospitals, didn't you? No. Uh, <laughs> Jenny, Katie? That was in the bathrooms. All the smells. So I had to put you. essential oils around a scarf to stop from dry heaving in the bathrooms. So, yeah. I'm a big baby, all right? <laughs> But I'm no longer making fun of essential oils as much. But also, we just want to thank you guys for getting behind us, yeah. for supporting us, for loving us. You know, every time you 
talk to us and send us those mails, they, they bless us. It takes us a mile. You're like, wow, somebody's thinking about us. Somebody's believing in us. So thank you so much, family, for everything that you've done for us. Well, here's what we're going to do. Are you guys going to be out there afterwards if they want to talk to you? And yeah. we're going to take up an offering at the end of service. If you guys just in your hearts, man, just be praying, God, what, what can I do? What can I, what can I sow into this? And so, yeah, we'll do the video at the end. So, all right. Thank you, guys. I'll turn this off for you. All right, here we are. Heaven's Treasure Chest Part 2, Avalanche of Blessings. So I heard this story about this guy uh, a couple centuries ago, and he was traveling from England to New York City, and the only way that he could get there at that time was through a ship. And so he bought his ticket, and so his mom said, listen, you know, we don't have the money for food. And so she packed him a brown paper bag with bread and some, like, fish and chips and stuff in it. And she told him, now, you're going to need to ration this. This is going to be, this trip is going to take several weeks, so you need to ration it. So here he is. He's got his little room in the bottom of the ship. And he's watching these wealthy people, and they would go, and they would go eat in this banquet hall. And some of them he was noticing like five and six times a day. And so here he is with his little fish and chips, you know, just eating sporadically, kind of going hungry in between. And towards the end of the trip, the guy uh, runs into the captain, and the captain uh, sees him sitting there with his brown paper bag with just a few scraps off. He's like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, you know, I didn't really have the money to, you know, to pay for the food and everything. He said, son, you don't understand. When you bought the ticket to the ship, you had free entrance to the dining hall. It's all you can eat for free. I feel like that's, that's such a parable for so many believers is we're living like beggars when we don't realize we're actually billionaires in the spirit. The things that Jesus has provided for us are absolutely overwhelming. And we got people, I'll tell you what, like I, I'm a pastor, I got a pastor's heart. I don't know what it is, but hopeless people, I just, it's really hard for me to have. It's like, do you see what's been provided? It's like just open, it's like, I mean, imagine someone with a billion-dollar bank account, and they're trying to get you to feel bad for them because they don't have any money. That is so many Christians who are just depressed and da-da-da. And I, I'm not saying I'll have compassion on you for in a difficult condition. I'm saying open up your eyes. Like, your ticket was paid for for you to have everything that Jesus has. Everything that belongs to Jesus now belongs to you because you're in him. You're so in him that your identity is no longer looked at of just you in any situation, it's always you and Jesus in that situation. So here we are in part two of this uh, thing, of this uh, series, and uh, we're going to be using the Passion Translation by Brian Simmons. If you don't have the Passion Translation, I encourage you, just pick up one of them. This one's in called The Letters of Paul, and it is so outrageous. I've been so blessed by the Passion Translation, Brian's teachings on Ephesians, and so, all right. Does anyone in here remember the J.C. Penny catalogs? Anyone remember those? I don't know what those were. When I was a kid, I used to just love getting those things. It was filled with just all this catalog of these absolutely amazing things that, I mean, I, I remember circling pages and just having all these different things. And, and I went back and looked at some pictures of some of those. And um, some of those things are just pretty ridiculous that we were actually lost. We can get a picture of one of these things here. So what you can't see is the description on the, on the all-purpose jumpsuit, $17. Here, here's the description on this thing. Equally appropriate for playing golf or simply relaxing around the house. <laughs> now, I can't see wearing this around the house unless your house is like cell block D at the local prison. <laughs> and even then, only if the warden forces you to wear these things. Okay? So, yeah, we could go on. There, there's lots of great pictures. But uh, JC, I don't know if the JC Payne, 
the J.C. Penney catalog was what started like the postal workers and when they started like having problems, like the day they had to deliver those. I mean, can you imagine being the postal worker having like a whole street full? I mean, so yeah, not good. But, but it, had, it just had, it had everything you could ever imagine in it from leisurely suits around the house. I mean, it just had everything in it, okay? When it comes to Ephesians, it is a catalog of God's blessings. It's everything you could ever imagine and more in it. So we're going to um, pick up where we left off in Ephesians 1, 3. I'm just going to kind of recap it. We made it through three verses. We're going to go for five verses today. You guys ready? Can you handle five verses of Ephesians? Gird up your loins. All right, here we go. Ephesians 1, 3. We're going to have it on the screen. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father. By love there is its past tense. It doesn't say when you're good enough you'll receive these things. When you're mature enough, this has already, this has already happened to you when you came into Jesus. As a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ, this is why we celebrate him with all our hearts. So here in verse 3, I'm not going to talk a whole bunch about it, but it starts off this catalog of blessings. It begins the longest run-on sentence in the Bible. It's 12 verses, 202 words in the Greek, and it's, it's like a dam has just burst. This is like, like he just can't contain himself, and he can't get the words out fast enough. This isn't, I think a lot of people try to analyze this as like theological truths, and we could definitely go phrase by phrase, but you need to see it as a person in love who can't get the words out fast enough. Here's this thing, and he begins this avalanche. That's why I'm calling it an avalanche of God's blessings. It's, it started in verse 3, and then it goes all the way through um, verse 14, but we're not going to be able to get there. The revelation is so uncontainable, it's like he's thinking of one blessing after another, after another, and he just kind of keeps going. So last time we ended in verse 3, and we saw that heaven cannot bless you anymore. If God gave you any more, um, the, the trinity would be endangered. You have to start calling it the quartet. God has a plan to make you... Ex- Thank you, Betty. Somebody got that one. <laughs> God loves Jesus so much that he has a plan to turn every one of you into a lookalike of his son. He's got a plan to conform you into the image of Jesus. That, that's what he's after here. It doesn't mean we're all going to be carpenters. It means that the life of God's going to go flow through your uniqueness. Every time God looks at you, he sees you in Christ. So you ready for this? Don't ever look at yourself apart from Christ because God never does. So let's start with verse 4. And he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe. Wow. Because of his great love, he ordained... I'm not sure if you just noticed how many times there's just love and delight and pleasure just mentioned here. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would, have, so we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. God chose you before he made you. So prior to Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God, before he formed planets and, and, and all these things, he had you on his mind. The dream of God was not to have infinite stars or galaxies. Now that we have the Hubble telescope, it's interesting. Those, those little flickers of light that would just kind of like shade in the background, we now see that there, there are millions of galaxies. And the Hubble telescope has proved that the universe is expanding at the speed of light, which is just a remarkable thought. It's like God said, let there be light, and he never told it to stop, and the universe is expanding at that rate. God, God's plan wasn't to have universes and stars and galaxies. His plan was to have you. And like I said in the baby dedication, he has built this universe around it. He chose you to be his very own. The New Testament was written in Greek, and uh, sometimes there are just some really, really cool insights when you look at that. The word uh, for chose 
it's interesting. It has the word logos right in the middle of it, a form of it. So the word logos in Greek is the word word. Jesus became the word. He became the logos of God. You guys ready for this? God chose you to be a word sent from his mouth. Before he spoke, let there be light, he spoke you into his existence and destined you to be his. And you are a word from his mouth that will not return void. You are a replica of Jesus on the earth. He put the logos in you. It's like the word is being made flesh again in you, and you will fulfill your destiny. There's a phrase in the Bible that says, in the fullness of time. And uh, it seems like God's fullness of time is always like 1159. It's like the very, like my idea of fullness of time is like now. Like, 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 like okay, now. I, I meant now. Okay, that, that's my idea of fullness of time. But God, he just has a whole different way of working these things out. So you see, it says that Joseph was released from prison in the fullness of time. So he went from a despised prisoner to the number two ruler in the universe. And he becomes a type of Christ who went from a despised prisoner to the number two ruler in the universe there. He becomes it. And so we see this fullness of time here. And so here's what's going to happen, gang. When you're in heaven, they're going to download a video of your life. And you're going to get to see just how much activity God had in your life. Some of you had supernatural occurrences just for you to be born. There was things that were going on that were trying to prevent it. There was actually supernatural angelic activity right around your birth. It's going to, when you watch the video of your life, it's going to be as if there was these invisible hands of God orchestrating this person to come and speak the right word at the right time and just say the right thing that you needed to hear. And in this circumstance, it was moved. And you're going to see just how involved God was because he had you in mind before you were ever born. He says, you have been chosen. And it's not because you're exceptional. It's not like God's like, I think so many times it's like choosing teams for sports. It's like, oh, you're exceptional. I'll take you on my team. No, no. God didn't choose you because you're exceptional. You're exceptional because he chose you. God's not like, oh, I got a really good deal with this person. It says, and he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe because of his great love. God wanted to express his love, so he chose you. He's like, I've got this in my heart. I've got this amazing burning, and I want to pour it out on Michael, on Cindy. If there's a Michael and a Cindy in here, you can just take that as a word. So, If it's your middle name, just take it. You are a supernatural child with a supernatural birth, with a supernatural destiny, and a supernatural calling, and a supernatural blessing following you around all of your life to make it happen. God said, you know what, before you were ever born, I've decided this is the kind of life I'm going to make for them. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to think of everything. From start to finish, everything about you has been chosen by God to complete and fulfill your task. You have everything necessary. I know some of you are thinking, Mark, you don't know my situation. We're going to get to that here in just a little bit. By eternal decree, God said, this one is mine. I choose you. I'm going to set you in my kingdom and in my body and in my bridal company. I'm going to make sure that you hear the gospel and that you get into this situation that I prepared for you before the worlds were ever made. Are you guys catching any of this? I mean, this is like ludicrous speed. It's like, like oh my goodness. That was a Spaceballs reference, yes. He chose you to be surrounded by the Trinity. I mean, angels are awesome. I mean, we, we love angels. You know, we're very thankful for them. But you got put into the Trinity. I've said this before, like, if you were going to try and start a cult, I'm not sure you could have thought of anything as wild as you would be in God and God would be in you. It says you are hidden with Christ and Christ is in God. 
And then uh, in John 14, he says, my father and I, Jesus says this, my father and I will come and make our home in you. And then I'm going to put the Holy Spirit in you. And I'm going to put you in, you see this whole thing? He's, he's thought of everything. He's chosen you to be in this. And then when we get to Ephesians 2.10, weeks down the road, whenever that is, we're going to find out that you are the poetry of God and that he lyrically wrote a message to the cosmos with your life. It's amazing. God predetermined that nothing would keep you from belonging to the Father. This should help with some of your inferiority issues. I'm seriously. I'm seriously. I'm serious. I'm serious, Lee. If your name is Lee or your middle name is Lee, you can take that as a word. See, it's the seed that stays in the soil that bears fruit. I think so many times, oh, that's a good thought. That's a good thought. Next, what's for lunch? Oh, man, I, I got a busy week this week, and I got to do this and this. The people who are successful are not the people who do a whole bunch of things well. They're the people who do one thing well. Okay? The one thing that you and I are called to do, listen, God doesn't change. His word doesn't change. Here's what makes the difference. You. You change. There's a formula for success. God, his word, and you. I just gave it to you. Three easy steps. No. The only thing, there's one step. You. You connecting with God and him uh, breathing on that word and it becoming real. If you were to take these things that I'm talking about and think about them and ask the Holy Spirit to breathe upon them and they were to get on the inside of you, your life couldn't do anything but change. When you change on, here's what Romans 12.2 says in New Living Translation. You change your life by changing the way you think. All you need, listen, you are the sons and daughters of the prophets. You are the sons and daughters of Abraham that Galatians was talking about. You are a blessing on two legs. You are a walking mercy seat. You carry like Mary the Christ within. You are a dispenser of the divine, and God cannot... Say it again. Sing it this time. You're a blessing on two legs. You are a walking, talking mercy seat. You carry like Mary the divine. You're a dispenser of the divine. God cannot put any more into you than he possibly could. Otherwise, the Trinity would be threatened because you'll be just like him. Okay, that, that is who you are. And all you need is for revelation, which we're going to talk about in two weeks, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, two more times, spirit of wisdom and revelation. All you need is for the Holy Spirit to go, Here's what we do is uh, you take these truths, like picture like a diamond, and you're holding it up in the light of God's presence, and he's refracting it out, and then you turn it a different angle. This is meditation, is you're just thinking about it from different angles in the light of his presence, waiting for him to shine it out on you. It's not this mental exercise, I've got to figure this out and diagram it out. You can, if figuring it out and diagramming it out helps you turn it to a different angle, then do it. Okay, but it's not this mental exercise, it's taking these truths and thinking about them on purpose, and then holding them in the light of God's presence. And when he breathes on them, remember the game of Tetris? Do you guys remember that as a kid? I almost like flunked my sophomore year of college because of Tetris. I've, I've got a personality where I get obsessed about something. If it's pointed in the right direction, it's good. When it's not pointed in the right direction, like Tetris or Pinewood Derby, then it's not good, okay? Tetris, remember, like the little shape would fit, and it's like, ah, everything would break. That's revelation. It's all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I knew it, but now... I know it, okay? 
This is why Paul, he's giving you this catalog of blessings, and he's like, here's what you need. You need the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Another way, word for revelation is discovery, the spirit of discovery, the spirit of unveiling, if that helps you. But we'll talk about that in a couple weeks here. Let me read, read this verse again. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. Listen, God does not look at you the same way other people look at you. When other people look at you, they're not seeing unstained innocence, typically, right? When you look at yourself, sometimes we don't see unstained innocence. But here's how God looks at you. If I were to have on glasses that had red-colored lenses, I would see everything as red. It wouldn't matter if something was blue or green. Everything would be filtered through those lenses, right? When God looks at you, he looks at you through blood-colored lenses. He doesn't look at you through anything else other than seeing you as in Christ. And so his emotions, his attitude, his thoughts, his desire to bless you is all based on seeing you in Christ. He's not this naive grandfather who doesn't see any mistakes and thinks his grandkids are perfect, even though there are a bunch of brats running around. Okay? He's not that guy. God, in his infinite wisdom, he understands that you've got problems. He's got a process to help you grow into all the things that Jesus has for you. But as far as his heart towards you, as far as the way he relates towards you, he sees you through blood-colored lenses. He sees you in Christ, and he says, you are my delight. You're the whole reason that I prepared all these things, and he's moving everything into your life so that you can experience everything that he's paid for. Unfortunately, we don't see ourselves like this. We blow it, and the enemy just throws condemnation on us. We think, oh, how could God ever love me? Oh, how could he ever use me? We, guys, we need to get the scriptures deep inside of us, and we need to see ourselves the way God sees us. The glasses the Father wears for you and for me is to see us in Christ. Listen, the Bible says this. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? If you're not agreeing with God how he feels about you, there's this religious thing that makes it sound like the closer you get to God, the more horrible you realize you are the more unholy, the more aware of your sin you're going to be. Has anyone ever heard like teaching like this? Like, like it's so holy to be so aware of how horrible you are. That takes zero faith. Okay, it takes faith to believe the things that God says about you. When I believe the things God says about you, they come from that, go from that spiritual realm into my experience. They go from my position into my condition. It's not religious to walk around, oh, I'm just a worm, I'm just a sinner, saved by grace. Emphasize the saved by grace part, not the sinner. That's the truth about you. I've, I've taught so much about this, I can't even do it right now. Gang, you've got to take these things and you've got to meditate on them. There's two verses in Scripture that guarantee success in your life, and they both say the same thing. Meditate on Scripture. Joshua 1.8, Psalms chapter 1. But again, if you're not agreeing, okay. I've been on vacation. I've been thinking a lot. This is dangerous. I can tell you what you're believing by what's coming out of your mouth. Okay, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And when people say, I prayed and it didn't work. I, you know, I believe for healing and it didn't work. I tithed and it didn't work. I gave and it didn't work. Um, you're telling me what you believe, that it didn't work. Okay? There's a verse that Kenneth Hagin wrote. Not really. He said it so many times, people think he wrote it, but they don't actually realize Jesus is the one who said this. He said, whosoever will say to this mountain, who's it written to? Whosoever. And what do they have to do? They have to say something. 
Oh, I just, just name it and clab it, clamp, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, confess it and possess it. No, no, it's actually, it's a, it's a promise from the Bible that says if you will speak to the mountain and tell it to go jump in a lake and you will not doubt in your heart, but you'll believe it, you can have what you say. Hold on, what are you saying? I'm not doing anything but quoting scripture, so let's just settle down, religious spirit. Whosoever will say to this mountain can have what they say. There's a confession of faith. There's a lot of people that are making confessions, but there's no faith behind it. Do you remember those James Bond movies where they would have like, like a piece of, like, you know, they would give them like a piece of gum and it was actually really this exploding device and you like touch the two pieces together and when those two pieces touch together, explode. Remember those type, I, like, I love that stuff. I want to like carry that stuff around for some strange reason. I love it, okay? So it's so, like when those two things would touch together, you had about five seconds before it exploded, okay? When belief in your heart touches confession with your mouth, there's an explosive things that move mountains. So people have gotten the formula without the experience of faith. I'm believing this, I'm confessing that I'm gonna have a Mercedes and a Cadillac and an Audi and a, okay, whatever. That's foolishness. They just, that's wishing in a genie bottle going on and claiming a bunch of selfish things, okay? But when God has breathed on something and there's faith, you can't produce faith, by the way, it's a gift. All faith, there's a gift of faith, but all faith is a gift, and it comes from looking at Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Boy, I did not want to teach on this. Are you guys good? Everything you receive from God is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. If you don't like it, you can argue with God because I didn't make it up. I'm just quoting it to you. You understand? Like, like I'm just quoting verses. I'm not even giving that much interpretation on them. But I would encourage you to begin to as you are believing things in your heart to say them out loud, and here's what you're gonna find. You're gonna have a struggle saying them out loud. You're gonna feel weird about it because there's been so much religious teaching against it. I'm just telling you how it works, all right. How can the two walk together unless they be agreed? Hmm. Verses five and six. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children. I mean, are you kidding me? <sighs> Through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. For the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Let me read the first part again. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children. Adoption in the biblical culture was different than adoption today. Adoption in the biblical culture is the moment that a person became adopted, they had the full rights of inheritance of a mature son. Typically, we, you know, you got to become 18, you know, and this and that. And um, biblical adoption, here's what he's saying. God's like, I have this dream, and I'm going to create these children, and I'm going to bring them into my family when they say yes. And when they do, they're going to have access to everything that my son Jesus has access for before they ever become mature. I know some of you are like, oh, this is just craziness. Listen, I mean, can I just use some worldly analogies and you can make the spiritual jump to them? You've got the keys to the Porsche. You've got the keys to the house and you've got the pin code to the ATM. I'm using earthly things to get spiritual realities to you. 
everything that Jesus paid for is now available to you. You can have as much of it as you're willing to renew your mind and believe for. The uh, English Standard Version says he predestined or he ordained us, okay? Um, here's what predestined means. You guys ready? It means he predetermined your destiny in advance because he is God and he can see into the future. The religious spirit has tried to make predestination the most fearful. They made it eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Okay, you, you're chosen. Uh, you get to go to heaven. You, you're damned. You go to hell. Sorry. As if God created people just so he could send them to hell. Okay. There's whole denominations that teach predestination and election and all this stuff. I'm going to be nice. Wisdom just kicked in. It's dangerous and it's an abuse of the word of God. The word predestined is only used four times in the Bible. Two times in Romans 8, two times in Romans 1. The idea is talked, the concept of it's talked about in Romans 9, although the word is not used. In every instant, it's tied to his foreknowledge. Here's what foreknowledge means. He knows before it happens. So he knows what's going to happen in advance, and he predestined, he predetermined that the people who choose him, this is the kind of life they're going to have. To believe that God chooses some and doesn't choose others is to ignore verses that say the grace of God has appeared to all men. Jesus died not just for the sins of believers, but for the sins of the whole world. I mean, there's just so many verses that talk about there's thousands of instances of God knowing things in advance. Okay, so it's an abuse of scripture to believe, well, I wonder if I'm chosen. I wonder if I'm elected. Were you born? You're chosen and you're elected. He's waiting for you to say yes. All the obstacles to his heart he has made sure are completely removed He's just looking for that thank you of faith. And the moment you do, you're adopted as a son with full rights and privileges of everything that Jesus has. I'm telling you, it's going gonna, it's gonna to wreck your depression if you'll, if you'll drink this in. <laughs> for it was, always his, in his, it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one. It's just good to read this over so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. For the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for you. God doesn't love Jesus any more than he loves you. I mean, think about the burning, passionate love the father has for the son. The same way he loves Jesus, he loves you this very instant. He's invested everything into you. He is relentlessly committed to you reaching your destiny. He wants you to reach your destiny more than you do. He wants you to walk in the blessings that he's paid for more than you do. You're going to be made into the full image of Jesus. Like I said, the father loves the son so much, he's going to fill the earth with a bunch of lookalikes of Jesus. And I love this part. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. God didn't redeem the world because he's like, ah, I created these people. Now there's a big mess. I better do something to clean it up. I'll send my son there. A lot of people think that there's like this business contract thing where God legally does this and we pray this prayer and he legally has to do this. Okay? It's not this business legal court system relationship with God. It's romance. And this unfolding plan brings him pleasure. Don't miss the love part involved in it. Don't miss the pleasure of God in delighting to bless you. Listen to Psalm 37, I'm sorry, Psalm 35, 27. God delights in the prosperity of his servant. 
I, I've been posting some scriptures on Facebook, and you think that I was posting like Nazi manifesto on some things. They're just scripture verses about God wanting to bless and prosper people. But the religious spirit's like, oh, it can't mean this, it can't mean that. God delights in the prosperity of his servant. What could this mean? Is there some hidden meaning in it? No. It means he delights in prospering his kids. If you're in need of a financial miracle right now, you don't need to give God reasons to bless you. You don't need to remind him that you're in covenant with him and make a demand on that covenant. Lovers don't do that. It's not the way you receive finances. This is a a romance, not a business contract. You receive blessing by believing his word and agreeing with his will. That's it. It might look something like this. Father, I thank you that according to Psalm 35, 27, you take pleasure in prospering your servant. That according to Ephesians 1, all these blessings have come upon me because of Jesus. It says in 3 John 2 that your will is to prosper me financially, physically, and emotionally. So Lord, I, I look for it. Give me wisdom on how to walk this out. Show me what to do with the money that I do have. And you can expect the blessings of God to chase you down. But I've been tithing and it hasn't been working. Well, look what's coming out of your mouth. You just told me what you believed. By the way, God would rather have you give 5% joyfully than 10% grudgingly. It'll be in book two. I decided I'm going to write it this summer, so I'm going to go ahead and do it now. Yay! You're not a beggar looking for scraps or trying to convince God. You need to begin to recognize that God loves you personally. He loves you. He puts you in his son. He looks at you through blood-colored glasses, and it is his delight to see you walk in everything that he paid for. He's just looking for someone to agree with him. He not only loves you, but he likes you, and he is pleased with you. Verse 7, since we are now joined to Christ. We have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood, the total cancellation of our sins, all because of the cascading riches of his grace. Psalm 103 says our sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. Uh, Someone once said this, that God casts our sea, I'm sorry, God casts our sins into the sea of forgetfulness and then puts up a sign that says no fishing. I heard someone describe it like this, that your life is like a, a two by four and every, you know, the sins in our life are like nails in it. And what Jesus came and did, and he, he pulled out the nails, but there's still the scars and the holes and your life's still miserable because of sin, but you're going to heaven. I thought, oh my gosh, this is horrible. Here's more what it's like, is um, Jesus takes that board and kills it and gives you a brand new pure and holy board. But Jim, I still have problems in my life because of sin. Me too. Here's what happened, gang, is um, when you got born again, his spirit came into your spirit and it became one spirit. Your spirit is perfect on the inside. You are a body, soul, and spirit. You are one-third Holy Ghost. Wall-to-wall Holy Ghost on the inside, okay? Your spirit is perfect, and what's going on inside of there, as we renew our mind, it comes into the experience of our body. Okay? You, can ha- you and I can have as much as we're willing to renew our mind and access. But you have to understand, the miracle took place in here. Like it says you have the mind of Christ. Well, if you stunk at math before salvation, when you get saved, you're not suddenly a mathematical genius. The change took place, the new creation took place on the inside. And as we begin to renew our mind, as we be- 
Okay. No, the Bible says this in James 1. It says, no one looks in a mirror and, uh, and then walks away and forgets what he looks like. Like, you, if you see something and you see spinach in your teeth, you're going to do something about it. You're not going to go, eh. Right? The Bible says that the word of God is like a mirror. Do you realize that you've never seen your own face? You've only seen a reflection of your face or a picture of your face. You've never seen your face. You have never seen your born-again spirit. You can't feel it. You can't sense it. You can't discern it. But you can see it as a reflection. The Bible says that the word of God is like a mirror. It's a reflection. It shows you what has gone on on the inside of you. And as you begin to, because you can't see it. You can't feel. Well, I don't feel this thing. No, it's, it's not about feeling. It's about revelation. It's about seeing in the word of God, planting those seeds, keeping those seeds in the soil, and the Holy Spirit going, the Tetris piece clicks, and it's like, I got it. And as you begin to act on that and exercise it into strength, it becomes fruit in your life that remains. We want to listen to a podcast and then listen to the next podcast and listen to the next podcast. Guys, go for depth, not width. It's better that you get three or four books that change your life than you read 100 books that year. Ask me how I know. I've done both. I used to read a book a day. I was so addicted to knowledge, but it wasn't changing my life. Why did that get the biggest wow? <laughs> it's just like, I wasn't saying it to impress you. I was saying it to warn you. <laughs> These unlimited riches of Christ. Jim read a book a day. <laughs> Don't get the wrong point. We're almost done. If you're in poverty, if you're sick in your body, if every relationship is a wreck, regardless of how bad your circumstances are, if you will think about the riches that we are talking about and let God give you a revelation of what it means. If you begin to think about how God chose you before the foundation of the world, before you did anything, he's like, this is the life I've got for my kid. That he has made you holy and blameless. That he only looks at you through blood-colored glasses and he delights and he adores. Zephaniah 3 says he rejoices over you with singing. You've been predestined, predetermined, preordained to experience his good pleasure and blessing after blessing after blessing. What's he waiting for you to do is to believe him. But I don't feel it. Who said anything about feelings? If everything is a mess, you still have a reason to rejoice. And when you change your thinking, you change your life. Verse 8, our final verse. You guys ready? This superabundant grace. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, you could just camp on, just take one of these phrases and just take it with you for the week and just see what happens. Believe it in your heart, speak it out of your mouth and see what happens. Oh, there's that speaking thing again. Remember, Jesus said it. Not Copenhagen, Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagen. <laughs> By the way, I love those guys. I was taught that those guys were the devil growing up and that they were in excess and all this stuff. Then I started reading Kenneth Hagen. I think I just bought 20 of his books in the last month. I started reading them. Hold on. This guy is experiencing something I haven't experienced. This guy's got a foundation that I haven't even started building yet. Maybe I better humble myself. And This superabundant grace is already powerfully working in us and flooding into every part of our being. There's a picture of what's going on in your spirit. It's beginning to work its way out through grace. Not through, no, I'm not going to that. Releasing within us all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. The grace that brings redemption is the same grace that brings wisdom. 
Solomon describes seven pillars of wisdom. James describes seven adjectives about wisdom in uh, James it's either three or four. I think it's four. And so this wisdom from God, this ability, okay, here, here's what wisdom is. Do you remember when God came to Solomon and he's in a dream and he said, you can have anything you want. And Solomon said, I'm like a little child. I don't know how to rule. Give me a hearing ear. And God says, ah, what you've asked for is good. I'll give you wisdom. And because you didn't ask for wisdom, I'll give you this and this and this. Right? And so wisdom is the ability to have a hearing ear so I know what God's seeing and I know, so I know how God's viewing the circumstance. It's this present tense relationship. So God says that you now have access to that at all times. But Jim, I don't feel it. Okay, start believing it and see what happens. If any of you will ask for wisdom, he will give you a little scrimp, a little spritzer size, a little free sample. No, no, no. It says he will give it generously to all without finding fault. Well, I don't feel worthy. Well, good news is when you ask, he gives it to you whether you're worthy or not. Worthy, earning, deserving should have no place in the Christian's vocabulary. That's all Old Testament law, religious rules, language. You don't get based on earning, deserving. You get based on Jesus paid for it all. I receive it because I'm in him. It's scandalous and it's unfair. And we'll spend the rest of eternity getting wrecked by it. So we have all forms of wisdom and practical understanding that you're going to need. This means you're going to have strategies for building your family, strategies for raising your children, strategies on how to change this city and how to change this nation, how to feed the poor, how to end human trafficking, how to stop abortion. It's all there. God's already got the answers figured out. We have all forms of wisdom and practical understanding because of the glorious blood and grace of Jesus Christ. I can't wait to tell you next time about the inheritance that he has for us, but we're out of time.